Hey, listeners, if you are thinking about divorce and concerned about your children, please go to my online parenting plan course. It will help you plan how you're going to parent through divorce and beyond. And I promise you, it will keep conflicts from erupting in the future while keeping you centered on your children. Check it out at lisakoski.com. If my parents don't love each other, or there's this chaos between my parents, then I must be a mistake. You know, I must not be wanted, you know, and and I must be part of the problem. Our culture is so child-centered, and that's fabulous, but you can't have a family structure where our kids are completely child-centered, separate, and then have that child think that that structure of child-centeredness is changed. Mm -hmm. Everything is in relation to that child. Welcome to Doing Divorce Different. Join family law attorney turned mediator, Lisa Kosky, for candid conversations on how to alleviate the fear of divorce and how to heal through empowerment. Now your host, Lisa Kosky. Welcome listeners. I'm so glad you're here today. And if you are a parent going through a divorce or have been through a divorce and you are really worried that it's going to mess up your kids, this is an episode you're going to want to listen to. I feel so blessed. I have documentary filmmaker Ellen Bruno with me. And Ellen was, she came on my podcast way back when I first started and was so kind and helpful to my listeners. And Ellen, I have your split film and it's a film that helps my clients understand what their kids are going through in the divorce process. Then I did a really in-depth certified co-parenting specialist program. And Ellen was there again with a new film. And it was so insightful because Split follows the lives of children while they're going through a divorce. Split Up is, is it 10 years later? Mm-hmm. And it looks back at those kids and how they weathered the divorce. It was so helpful and meaningful and taught me so much. So Ellen, welcome. Thank you so much for giving us your time today. And would you mind, I mean, you've done documentaries on a lot of different things, Mm -hmm. meaningful work. Can you tell my listeners what made you want to do a film about kids going through divorce? Sure. And thanks for having me, Lisa. It's really a pleasure. Well, you know, I have spent much of my career working with doing refugee relief work and working with people that were dealing with war and genocide and being imprisoned and being trafficked into sex circles. And so there are some pretty traumatic and profound people I spent my career with and documenting them, giving them a platform to share their stories. At the same time, You know, on the home front, as a child, my parents got divorced. And even though it wasn't an outward conflict, there was just no communication. And there was no communication with us as kids. And then when my kids were were quite young, my their dad and I separated. And I realized, wow, 20 years later, and there's still nothing or very little that I liked in support of kids, giving kids the opportunity to hear from other kids their same age about what they were going through and realizing that, okay, this is tough, but I can do it. And here are 12 kids that 
are giving it to me straight that have survived and that can laugh about it and that still have struggles. And, you know, the film is very comforting for kids. So really the motivation was trying to give an opportunity for kids to be in community sort of privately with other kids who are experiencing the same things. And that turns out, turns out to be very comforting for kids. And then there was a demand for the same sort of film for teenagers. And I thought, well, let's see what happened to these 12 kids 10 years later. And it really was quite profound when we look at how, you know, I think sometimes we think, oh, divorce is something that happens within a discrete period of time, and then everybody moves on. Well, actually, as we all know, divorce is just becomes part of the DNA of our family structure, part of the experience of our children. And that will be true when they're 40, as as it is true when they're four. And so the new film Split Up really gives parents and professionals the opportunity to say, okay, well, you know, how do the choices we make really affect these kids in the long run? Yeah. And it became very clear that parents that were more cooperative, where there was less conflict, their kids fared much better. Those families where there continued to be high conflict and a lack of communication between parents, those kids were really struggling. And yes, so- and that was so insightful to me. And I love, I just want to go back. I love how you talked about in the original film Split, how it's for kids so that they can feel like they're in community with other kids. And when I introduced you, I use it so often to say, hey, parents, don't forget this is what your kids are going through. I mean, I think that's important too, but I don't want to forget to tell them, hey, have your kiddos watch this so they can understand you know, that there are other kids going through, you know, feeling, you know, funny about having two houses. And so can we talk just a little bit about Split first and the first, the original when the kids are younger? Can you just share some of the key pieces that you learned from Split from those kids Sure. Um, it's interesting in both films, you know, my approach to filmmaking, regard whoever, whatever the subject is, give people a platform and not be very directive. And what I found is people come to the table with what the story they want to tell, right? And, you know, I may have my ideas of what that would look like, but people come forth. And what became clear in both films was that there were very strong themes that seemed almost universal. I hate to say universal because Every family's different, every child is different, but they were strong thematic threads in both films. And for the younger kids, one that surprised me a bit was this need to know. Mm-hmm. Kids want to know what happened. And of course, you can't tell a six-year-old everything about what happened, but kids need their parents' help in making sense of what happened. And if there's not an effort to communicate in some way and frame the experience for the kids in some way, kids have very active imaginations and they'll go to the worst case scenario and imagine the worst. I mean, for example, when I was a kid and I was 12, I was not that young. There was a lot of kind of subtle chaos in the family. My parents were kind of upset and distracted and they were being extra nice to me. And I was thinking, what's going on over here? You know, and I'd say, what's happening? Oh, nothing. Let's go get some ice cream, you know? (laughs) Well, I I internalized that to thinking that I was actually kind of quite sick. I I thought I, I, 
I must be really sick. Why are they treating me like this? You know, and I'd say, well, what's going on? Oh, nothing. So that was a perfect example of how kids' imaginations go wild. I'm not saying every child will think that they're sick or there's something wrong with them, but there is this internalization that kids do if they're, if they're not given the space to ask the questions that can sometimes be quite difficult for parents. And so what I feel is I just want parents to have the courage and understand that opening up these conversations and allowing your children to ask questions is going to be one of the best things that you can do for your kids. And it doesn't mean you need to answer every question, but everybody that goes through a difficult situation, whether it's political refugees, mm-hmm. prisoners, and you know, uh, young sex workers, or kids of divorce, Everybody needs to make sense of their experience in order to move forward. They need to sort of construct a narrative around the experience they're having. This is where parents can be incredibly helpful. And it can be as simple as, you know, your dad and I or your mom and I decided that we're going to try to live apart or we feel like we'd be happier living apart. That does not mean we will love you less. That does not mean we will, your life will change but it could change in, in a good way as well as a, a negative way. We will always love you. This is not your fault. This has nothing to do with you. This is an adult thing. You know, simple yeah. conversations like that. And have the courage to, to listen to the questions, which is a, a big ask, I understand, for parents. Yeah. Because our primary concern is, how is this going to affect our kids? But we need to have the courage to be in, to step up and, and open the conversation to release that energy. Our kids are holding so much energy around so many questions, and there's a lot of fear. It almost, it turns into fear because they're thinking, will I ever see my grandma again? Do I have to go to a new school? Do I have to leave my house? What's it going to be like having two houses? What about my dog? It could be something so simple, like who's going to feed my dog when I'm not there? But you need to leave the space to have those conversations. That's one of the greatest gifts you can give your children is keeping that line of communication open so they don't need to internalize it, figure it out in their little six-year-old's minds and try to make sense of that. Mm-hmm. That's so good. for And, you know, I'm thinking of parents who are approaching their kids with this. Maybe one thing they can do so that they can do this hard thing and have the courage is prepare a little bit. Exactly. And think through, okay, how would I answer this? And I know, Ellen, one thing, and I can't remember if it was from your film, but I think a lot of times parents will just kind of go, we just don't love each other anymore. Well, then the the kiddo goes, love, are you going to stop loving me? And so to be cognizant of maybe saying, we're not getting along well right now. We love you. And to keep it up, the focus on that, because I think if parents can really prepare And I try to help my clients because a lot of times they come to me before they tell their kiddos, Mm -hmm. preparing, doing the hard things, keeping that communication open. So true. And I never realized it until I saw the movie Split, that that was Mm -hmm. really, but totally makes sense that kids need the information for the clarity for a little bit of peace. Another thing that surprised me in a way, but consequently seems to be another one of those universal things is that I asked one of the teenagers, well, she was now 22 when she um, sat for the second film, and we were on a panel and somebody said, what is the one thing you want parents to do differently? If you could choose one thing with a magic wand, Mm -hmm. what would it be? 
And she said to allow the kids to remember that they came from love. Yes. Because what the way the kids put the story together is if my parents don't love each other or there's this chaos between my parents, then I must be a mistake. You know, I must not be wanted, you know, and, and I must be part of the problem. Our culture is so child-centered and that's fabulous, but you can't have a family structure where our kids are completely child-centered, separate, and then have that child think that that structure of child-centeredness is changed. Mm -hmm. Everything is in relation to that child. So suddenly when there's a divorce, the reason kids think it's their fault is because everything in their family to that part has been in relation to them. They've been a primary part of that triangle. And then to suddenly say, this has nothing to do with you, doesn't quite make sense to a kid. And for example, oftentimes parents won't allow a picture of the other parent in the child's room, or they won't allow they don't want to see a picture of them with the other parent and the child in the house and my my daughter's favorite picture is a picture and she says all the time that's my favorite one is you know she was about one her dad was holding her and we're this happy family of three now we're not a family of three in that same configuration anymore but that picture tells her that she that there was love and she came from love And that is of monumental importance to these kids. So important. So important that they know that, that they came from love. And that can be so hard when you're so angry at the other parent. You got to put that aside. Go easy on yourself if you've mucked it up in the past. Start Mm -hmm. anew and, um, you know, let those kids know that. Are there any other themes in that that are jumping out at you? I think something that became clear with this, the second film was that if there's an intense conflict between parents that continues, that child, there's an awful burden on the children to mediate and take care of the parents. Right. And, you know, keep peace. I think parents don't quite understand how much energy kids use, even very young kids, in caretaking and trying to keep the peace. And what it becomes exhausting. What it means is that child is taking less, they're putting less attention on what they need. This was a common theme, the caretaking. And I would say half of the teens said, when looking back, I spent so much time taking care of one parent or worrying about this or worrying, am I being fair with how, who I show love to? You know, am I talking to my dad enough? Am I talking to my mom enough? Will my dad think, will my mom think I love her? You know, this kind of like this, this, you know, incredible balancing act that they do not pay attention to what they need or what they want. And the kids are saying, now that I'm a teenager and a young adult and I'm growing up, I need to figure out how to take care of myself. And I think that was really a profound thing. And where there was continued conflict, what we found, and of course, this is not universal, but it did seem to be a clear trend among these 12 kids. When there was high conflict, by the time these kids were teenagers and young adults and could make choices for themselves, they would just end up choosing one camp or the other because it was too exhausting for them. And so we would begin to see one parent recede into the background. And so that is a very profound cautionary tale. You know, one of the reasons is if you want to keep your kid in your life as they grow and become adults, 
you need to come together in some way. Yeah. And, and how important it is for kids, both younger kids and, you know, young adults and grown adults to feel like they can comfortably have both parents together at important moments. You know, it's even beyond the high school graduation or the soccer right. games. Those are significant, but, you know, parents need to think about, do they want to be together when their grandkids are around, you know, or is it going to be still a balancing act for these kids when they're in twenties and thirties and forties. So we have the opportunity as parents to step up and really as hard as it is, I think our primary practice should be put our anger aside, put our resentment aside and show up for our kids as much as possible. Disengage with that toxic conflict with the other parent because it's not just creating a toxic environment for your children, it's creating a toxic environment for you. And as parents, I am working very hard to try to make this experience easier for kids. But the truth of the matter is, I also want to make it easier for parents. And parents walk through the door of suffering too often and too unnecessarily. There are other choices we can make that will make our kids a lot happier and that will make us a lot happier. You know, and sometimes it means getting rid of pride, yeah. you know, forgive in your heart in some way, move forward, move forward with you, your life and choose joy and choose love whenever that opportunity arises, especially in relation to the kids and the kind of energetic environment you're creating for these kids. Kids are so intuitive and they are so tuned into their parents' energy and so tuned into their parents' moods. They don't even need words to understand what's going on. And we need to understand that they're like sponges. The best thing we can do is surround them with love and surround them with a loving, non-toxic environment. Amen. And Ellen, I think that is one thing that kind of jumped out at me when I watched the sequel, the, the older kids. I think I didn't realize how much that divorce is still affecting them. Mm -hmm. The divorce that took place 10 years ago, I thought, oh, they'll be over it by now. And I'm not, I'm not trying to scare parents that, oh, this is something that, mm -hmm. but it's heavy. And mm -hmm. it, like most of them, had sadness in them mm -hmm. from that. There was one boy in particular that taught me so much. And he was, his parents did a really good job of making him feel loved he seemed like he didn't have the pain that the other maybe 11 did. There was just one in particular. They put everything aside. They became a family, even though it was a weird family. It sounded like they brought in new parents and they would do celebrations together. Everyone could be together. Everyone was loving. Oh, if I could, I keep telling my parents that. I know it's hard, but if you can do that, I saw it with my own eyes that that young man looked actually like it was an opportunity for him to become a more resilient, loving person. Exactly. Because we're modeling behavior for our kids. And that is our strongest teaching. And oftentimes we're unconscious about the degree to which that's true. That's Jonah. Yep. Jonah's parents were very open-minded, and it wasn't always easy, but choose that part of it not being easy. Don't choose the other part. You know, 
we're all learning. We're all doing the best I can, but we have choices available to us and just make the best choice. And you can see it in these kids and those kids who had continued conflict. Like I say, a lot of, they were quite a few of them were alienated from one parent. Mm -hmm. And what I thought was quite a surprise was how much the way parents behaved and the choices parents made when they were separating affected these kids' ideas of what's possible with love for themselves. And, you know, quite a few of them said, I can't imagine I'm ever going to get married or, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I'm not sure I believe in that, you know, and Jonah, this one said, yeah, you know, if if we, I can be honest and open with whatever partner I'm with, well, that's, that's enough fairy tale for me. He actually believed in love. And so we're doing more than dealing with the other parent and tending our kids. We're showing our kids what's possible, how to work through difficult times, how to make the best choices. We, as parents, are constantly teaching through example for the good and the bad. And so how we deal with conflict, how we deal with difficult situations, how we pull ourselves up and make the best choices or the most skillful choices or the most loving choices, are going it's going to imprint in a very profound way on our kids. Our kids are constantly being imprinted by the choices we make. Mm -hmm. And that made me understand this, you know, the data of generational divorce, divorce after divorce through generations is, you know, wow. If you're in partnership with somebody who doesn't really believe that this is possible, because they didn't have good modeling, it's going to be a lot more difficult to sustain a partnership than if you're in, I mean, my current partner, his parents are been in a loving relationship for 45 years. Whenever we get in a little, you know, to him, it's just like, oh yeah, so we'll get through it. And to me, it's like, oh my God, we're gonna, <laughs> are we going to separate? Is this the end of it? And it's because of the patterning we have. Yes. It's, it's not even conscious thought. It's almost in our DNA. It's almost like a, a, a reflex you know, that's sort of built into the way we understand the world to be, the way we understand pattern to behavior to be. It's just an unconscious, almost reflex. So we want to give our kids as much opportunity to have positive visions and believe in goodness and believe in love and believe in skillful ways of dealing with difficult situations. Beyond this, it's going to serve them in all aspects of their life when they're grown up and they have a bad boss. You know, when they're having a difficulty with a friend, we have the opportunity to model behavior for them and model good choices in the face of difficult emotions, in the face of anger. So we need to start taking that on and understanding that that's just the truth of it. I love that. And all I can think of is change the story. Let's make this better. Let's change this so that these kids can have loving, healthy relationships in the future and we can learn from Jonah. So Exactly. Your films mean the world to me and to my Mm -hmm. clients. And Ellen, I don't know where the time went. I feel like it's gone so fast. Hey, I just wanted to pop in here quick before this whole thing winds down. And I want to tell you about my parenting plan online course. It is for you if you are terrified that divorce is going to ruin your children. 
I'm here to assure you that you can co-parent really well together. And I have an online course that is going to walk you through a parenting plan. You will have a piece of your divorce done. If you want to work with a mediator, you can bring the paperwork in and that portion is complete. It's easy, affordable, quick, and effective. And it will be part of your divorce paperwork if you'd like it to, or you can just use it to co-parent well with another parent. It goes over all the things that you may not be thinking of when you're in the midst of an emotional time like divorce. So please go to lisakoski.com, check on my online courses and sign up for the parenting plan course now because when parents work together, they can mitigate the damages caused by divorce to their children. So as I get to the end of my episode, because I'm in the barn and there's horses back there, I have what I call the saddle up segment where I get Mm -hmm. one little tidbit or piece of information. It can be something you already said, but something that my listeners can do right now for themselves or their kids to have a better life. Do you have a little piece of advice? You've given us so much already. I would say choose joy and choose love no matter what situation you're in. Don't choose anger. Don't choose resentment. It's almost like a practice. And allow your kids to have the loving history that once existed. Allow the love. And that will be deeply nourishing for your kids to know they came of love. Amen. And I feel like it's never too late. You know, I have friends that I have that maybe didn't show their kids that they came from love and the kids 18, you know what? You can still go back and let them know it's never too late. So such good information. So Ellen, I send your film to most of my clients who have kids. How can listeners get both the films for their kids, for themselves to give Mm -hmm. them this great information? Well, our website splitfilm.org. And we also have a really great guide, which gives kind of language for parents to have these conversations. So it's really nice for kids to be able to watch the film with a parent. And then they don't have to say, I feel like this. I feel like this. They can say, oh, when that boy said that, I liked that part, Mm -hmm. you know, or when she said that, that was sad for me. And the film is a great way to get kids to be able to start conversation without focusing on themselves, but with focusing on the kids in the film. And that provides a really nice handle for parents. And it feels safe and it feels doable for parents. The website is splitfilm.org and you can find everything there. All right. Well, we will have that in the show notes and listeners go there. If you are parenting through divorce and beyond, it's never too late. So Ellen, thank you again so much for taking the time. I appreciate you. I appreciate your work. I appreciate your time with me and for the message that you're getting out there. So thank you for being here. Thank you, Lisa. Take care. Hey, friends, you may have heard me mention my swan analogy, how mediation is a lot like a swan gliding on a lake, not necessarily happy. Not necessarily sad, but content, calm, and peaceful. 
I especially want this for my parents. And in custody cases involving alcohol, it can be very difficult to find peace of mind if you're fearful your child's safety is in jeopardy. Soberlink helps ease these concerns and improve child safety, which is why I recommend it to all my clients who raise concerns over a co-parent's alcohol misuse. Soberlink has remote alcohol monitoring technology, allowing parents to receive real-time alerts multiple times a day, ensuring the child is with a sober parent. Similar to mediation, Soberlink is time and cost-effective and worth every penny knowing your child is safe. To begin receiving real-time alerts that your child is safe, and to receive $50 off your device, visit www.soberlink.com different. Thank you for listening to the Doing Divorce Different podcast. Connect with us at lisakoski.com and sign up for our newsletter. 